Welcome everyone to the Money Mentors Podcast. My name's Glenn Fairburn, as always, joined uh, by my co-host, Nathan Lee. How's it going, Nate? Good, thanks, Glenn. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, Nathan, a few weeks back now, we had, it was probably very early on with the impact of COVID-19. There was a lot of lockdowns, not just in Australia, but also around the world. We, we, we had a podcast about what we thought might happen uh, throughout, I suppose, the height of the impact of COVID-19 and how the the year may play out. Um, given that in Australia, um, things are, I suppose you, you could argue, are, are sort of looking on the way up. Um, the number of cases has, has sort of reduced. Uh, the economy is slowly opening up. And as of data recording, which is the 1st of June, uh, we're seeing cafes, restaurants open with the maximum you know, 20 people. So look, things are starting to free up in Victoria. We've still been told to work from home if we have been. Um, but I suppose as, as a bit of a segue, we were keen to revisit that earlier podcast and, and just have a bit of a chat about what we think may play out for the rest of the year, given that things have improved somewhat within Australia. So I thought we could perhaps have a bit of a chat about the economy um, and, and then other interesting things for listeners being the share market and, and the property market. So um, and I know you wrote a blog about this a couple of weeks ago. So from, a, from an economic perspective, is it... Do you think it's fair to say that we're just going to see a fairly progressive reopening um, over the next sort of couple of months as, as governments sort of wait and see as to whether, you know, opening up certain things will lead to further cases? How do you think the economic side of things will play out in the short term and maybe over towards the end of the year? Yeah, definitely hope, Glenn, that that happens, what you just said, that the government slowly opens things and, um, we don't have any major spreads or, or issues with the virus. Uh, obviously, a lot of this is outside of, um, or a lot of this is, you know, predictions we're, we're making because uh, if there's, you know, this, the dreaded second wave or a relapse, so to speak, yeah. um, we might have to close close things up again or tighten things, tighten the restrictions again. So, yeah, I think it largely, I mean, we are obviously speculating a little here because we don't know what's going to happen with the virus. Yeah, um, I, I was... I was just going to say on that point, if we're looking at where we are now as a country versus where we were, where we were like two months ago when all this was really escalating, um, the, the one piece of positivity, I suppose, is that we're probably or arguably, <coughs> excuse me, better equipped to deal with it now in that there was that concern early on that, you know, hospitals didn't have the resources or the infrastructure to, to deal with a high number of cases. So that was sort of one. So arguably we've given our public health system a couple of months to sort of equip themselves. Uh, secondly, the testing regime's a lot stronger now. So once again, early on, it was hard to sort of test anyone for it. Now there's a, there's a, a massive emphasis on, on testing people with just the smallest of, um, of symptoms uh, and obviously the tracing side of it as well. So, you know, th- that I suppose leads to some sort of optimism with the economy, doesn't it? In that as we're slowly opening up, there is that fear of the second wave, potentially, but there's also, on the positive side, arguably a better way for us to deal with it. So that, from my perspective, leads to some sort of optimism. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yep, fair point. Yeah, it's all steps in the right direction, kind of uncharted territories we're in, but uh, definitely all, all positives. And I, th- I think one of the big things to look out for, 
um, from an economic perspective, which I think governments are and even financial markets to some extent um, is unemployment, isn't it? I mean, that's going to be the key one in coming months as businesses start to reopen. Is there going to be that sort of V-shaped recovery in employment? Is it going to be U-shaped or is it just going to stay fairly or unemployment? Will that just stay high for the rest of the year? Um, how, how do you think, do you have any view as to how that might play out or any sort of key indicators that people should be looking at to get a bit of a gauge as to how the economy is going? Oh, I've, I've probably just what's been on my mind here is when, when the stimulus stops, which September, uh, the, I mean, the, the job keeper, um, job keeper has kept a lot of people in, 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 in basically in employment uh, or getting paid. Yeah. Although the companies might not be earning earning a lot of money, the, the government is kind of footing part of their, their wage bill, or if not all of it. So the, I think the real test for the economy is going to be in September when yeah. when that stops, because yeah. people still have um, you know mortgage repayments, rent to make, and there's, there's obviously there's relief on those two things as well, which finish around the same time. So in I think in September, when the the, the stimulus and the relief stops, if if, 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 if companies aren't back earning money and able to keep people in jobs, that's when they're going to have to start properly laying people off. And yeah. that's where we could see unemployment really spike. So really unemployment at the moment doesn't really mean a lot, I don't think. But You're right. in September and onwards, that'll be the real test. Would you agree? Yeah, I think that's right. And that, that may be where there may be further government stimulus required. I mean, the, as of this morning, there's... Um, speculation about a home first, well, not even a first home buyer's grant, so to speak, but a home buyer's grant to try and provide stimulation to the construction industry, which does employ a lot of people. So, look, I, I agree. I think that the next six months, um, well, not the next six months, up until September, it's going to be telling us to the impact of, of JobKeeper. Um, and as you said, whether we start seeing people be re-employed as businesses start to open in the hospitality industry in particular, um, but, but yeah, I think it still will, will be very much, the economy is going to be pretty, um, pretty sensitive to, to anything really, is it until probably later in the year. And, and we, when we get a real understanding as to what the true impact is and whether there's going to be further government stimulus, because it's, it, you, I mean, yes, interest rates can fall, but the impact of that's going to be fairly minimal, isn't it? Because it rates are already so low. So if, if things are, are still challenging in future is probably just going to require further government stimulus isn't it yeah you like to think that the ordinary australian australian understands though that you know it's not a tap that can just continue to be on forever like government stimulus i mean we are we are racking up debt which you know we we need to rack up but i mean ultimately it's the taxpayer has got to pay this back this debt right and so yeah. I just, I just like to, you know, I'd like to think that people understand that. I, I feel like maybe not everybody does, you know, oh, it's okay. I'm on JobKeeper or whatever. Like, yeah, okay, for now, but that might not continue forever. And hey, in September, you might, you know, what's happening with your job? Um, so yeah, look, anyway, look, finger, fingers crossed. I'm, I'm not, don't want to sound too optimistic or, or too bearish here because I, ultimately I, I don't know what's going to happen here, but uh, you just like to think that, um, you know, businesses and we'll start opening up as they can and take all the precautions. And then um, in September, fingers crossed, we don't need more stimulus because what, what was already you know done for the six months before that was, was sufficient. Yeah, no, look, I tend to agree. I mean, it is, 
it's like predicting the weather, isn't it? Like it's 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 just impossible to accurately foresee what's what's going to happen. Um, if we move on to how then markets will react to that, how they may perform. I mean, firstly, the share market. We we saw the market reach, I suppose, somewhat of a low very quickly. Like within a month, you know, the market was was off, you know, thirty five percent and reached a a low point on, on the 23rd of March. We've seen a pretty bullish recovery where it's where it has recovered, you know, over 20% now in, in a very short period of time. Um, we, we sort of know that the market, the share market in particular is a bit of a forward looking um, indicator in some ways. Does, do you think that from a share market perspective that we've seen the worst of it as a result of the swift recovery or could it play out like with the GFC did where we had that, Sort of false recovery, and then we went into somewhat of a freefall for a number of months after that. Yeah, I mean, interesting question or good question, and uh, we're being obviously we get this question a fair bit, and it's always difficult to answer because we we are speculating here. You know, I, I've recently you know said in my blog, you know, fingers crossed, gut feels probably telling me we we hit the bottom then on the twenty third of March. Um, you know, we've already rallied twenty seven percent off that low. I mean, that's that's a big rally, like. If you if you sold to cash on that day, which fingers crossed people didn't do that, but if you did, you've you've missed out on twenty seven percent upside. Yeah. Um, look, obviously, what happens with this opening up of the economy, people getting back to work, the virus is still out there, the spreading of it. Um, if if that is contained, well, then yeah, one hundred percent, we've seen the, the, the I think we've seen the bottom. But if we have like a big second wave that causes mark um, the economy and everything to shut down, well, then we may not have seen the bottom. But if I had to guess one, I'd say, yeah, we've seen a bottom. I, I tend to agree because if you, if you look at what was happening when the market reached that bottom, like when it was off almost, you know, high 30s in, in percentage terms, there was just so much uncertainty, wasn't there? I mean, infection rates were exponentially, were growing exponentially. Um, there was no vaccine in the works. There was no treatments. There was fear that there wasn't enough ventilators. There was all these things that the economy would have to just go into absolute lockdown. So that was almost, I believe, the height of fear. And as a result yeah. of that height, height and fear, the market was just in, in free fall. Like there was panic. Um, so really to go back to that point or even go beyond that point where we're seeing a fall from high to low beyond 40%, there has to be a pretty dire situation, doesn't there? And I, and I just sort of feel that Every day that goes by, every month that goes by, we're closer and closer to a to a vaccine. So I tend to agree. I can't see how the market could get unless there's some massive economic implications as a result of this. Um, I'm sort of leaning towards the possibility that we've seen the bottom. Not to say that we're going to continue rising from this point, um, but I just struggle to see how we can get back to the point where we were, given that I, in my view, that the fear was at its height. Of, at a heightened level um, when the market had, had fallen in late March. Yeah, the fear's definitely gone out of the market. The share, that, that's how my sense as well. Like, how, you know, when, when you're reading, <clears throat> reading articles, reading the Australian Financial Review, whatever it is, like it just the, the literature, the feel is just different now. It's not as, yeah. as, um, as, as much fear as was, was out there. I definitely agree with that. That's not to say that that can't change, but just yeah. how we feel right now. But, I've had a, you know, from readings and speaking to people, I think people are starting to 
now think that the market's run ahead too much as, as, as it should have. Um, I don't know if you've been hearing that, Glenn, but some people are like, I don't know, there's not that much good news, but the market's kind of, you know, rallied, you know, 27%. In, They're probably the one who missed out. <laughs> They're probably the Maybe. one at Tuesdays who are hoping for it to fall so they can have a chance to get in. Yeah, possibly. But um, I think also, like, yeah. as we were saying in that previous podcast, that the market could improve even when there's still bad news with COVID-19. And, I mean, the, the news... It's not great, but it's definitely getting better around the world. So that's why the market has looked looked forward and recovered. As I said, I don't think a downturn will be... This is my own view, opinion. If there's a further correction, I don't think it'll be driven by COVID-19. I think it'll be more of an economic-driven thing. Um, so, yeah. What do you mean? As a result of COVID-19? Yeah, yeah, no? as, as a result. Just longer-term implications as a result. I mean... Obviously, the economic impact's driven by COVID-19, but the market had fallen because it was really a COVID-19-driven thing. I just think if, if we're to go to another low point, it's, it's going to be as a result of, you know, some sort of economic implication, like longer, a longer term, you know, whether it's a U-shaped or, you know, a, a more drawn-out recession. Um, that's where we might see a further correction in the market, I think, if the do, economy do you, doesn't open up. Do you think the economy is going to have a recession. So a recession is two quarters of negative growth in a I row. Th I think I think that's a almost a formality, isn't it? The next couple of months. Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think... I'd love to see that not happen. From, from my perspective, that's just... A, I mean, everyone knows we're in recession. It's a technicality, isn't it? Like two consecutive quarters of negative growth. I mean, I think the fact is everyone knows that we're going to that we're basically in a recession now. We don't need the figures to, to prove it to us, do we? But it's, a, it's kind of a bit of a big thing for Australians because we haven't had a technical recession since the early 90s, yeah. which is, you know, coming up to 30 years almost, right? Is that right? Yeah, Sorry. yeah. Yep. Yeah, 30 years almost. almost. Yeah, high 20 years, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess it had to take something pretty spectacular out of the ordinary to, 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 to pull us into one, so. Yeah, Absolutely. So if we move on to one of the more popular asset classes, property, there's always, everyone's always got a view on what's going to happen with, with property. Um, I, th I think everyone would agree that we're going to see some form of a correction. We've, we've sort of seen that. Um, what's up for debate is the extent of that correction, isn't it? Um, where do you sit with that? I mean, do, do you think that it's going to be driven by, once again, unemployment um, and, and those sorts of factors? Yeah, I think unemployment is the, the the massive factor in house prices here. And you know, we we've spoken probably before that the the house the impact on house prices is is more more lagged. Uh, it's not like the share market where people will jump on and sell straight away. With property, uh, you you need to go through a campaign. You need you need to engage an agent. Um, you know, the market didn't go to a standstill, but it almost slowed, almost stopped when yeah. when COVID hit. So. It's going to take a bit of time for the impact of the property market. I think what I was speaking about before as well, when people, if, if, if JobKeeper does stop in September um, and they haven't got their job back, um, that, that might be a bit of an issue for people where if they've got a mortgage, they might have to, they might have to sell. Um, so I, I think that's probably when we'll see the real test for the property market as well as the economy. Um, in terms of like, it's always difficult forecasting what the decline could be, but... I don't know, like the, the, the standard 
kind of figure I'm hearing is around five to ten percent. Um, you always get those people out there, the the extreme people that, that you know thirty percent, forty percent, fifty percent. There was people saying that though two years ago in two thousand and seventeen, um, yeah. and that didn't happen. So probably the same people that are saying it now. The, the other factor that, that that will impact property prices will, will be a slowdown in immigration. Like obviously, um, unemployment's always a major component because even as interest rates are rising that's another factor that impacts property values but generally those with with loans tend to find a way to continue meeting their repayments whereas unemployed if you don't have a job it's very difficult so i think unemployment's a big one um but i think another thing that drives property prices is demand uh, and, and that demand is driven by population growth so that that's another factor from from my perspective that I think will impact property prices later in the year, even, even more more shorter term than that. Is that we're not going to have that population growth or high levels of immigration that we've seen previously? Obviously, because airports are shut down, you can't. We no, no one's coming into the country. Um, that might be something that recovers next year, but I think that's another fact that will um, will impact property prices as well in the foreseeable future. I'm no expert on on the government policy on immigration, given what's going on. But you, I'd, I'd probably think that the government would, if it's a policy to have you know, immigration, we'd yeah we'd want to get it back up and going as quickly as we could. Yeah, um, yeah I think I think it's it's really just driven by. I mean, even international students aren't allowed to return to the country at this stage. So I think that's really what it's driven by. Um, obviously closing borders and so forth. But look, I, I think everyone would agree that that will eventually reopen again. We just don't know when. It could be six months, it could be 12 months. So yeah, th- these are all things I think that play into impacting um, property prices. So it's going to be, I think but it's... Are, the good thing about the, 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 the virus though, or people coming in in that regard is, is they can isolate. Um, so I would have thought, and as I said, I don't, I don't know the detail on this, but I would have thought that if... The government thought that was a real issue uh, in terms of you know, slowing immigration. They might open up the borders with very stringent isolation rules because people are yeah. still coming back from holiday. Australians are still coming back from overseas and having to isolate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, like, uh, yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, yeah, but no, I think you're right. I do agree that, of course, that's going to be an impact as well. That's going to slow the demand. Um, hopefully, it's quite shallow, though, that one. Yeah, it's, it's, it, and, and as we've said before, I mean, the fact is the property market's so fragmented. To say, oh, it's going to fall 10%, that doesn't mean that every single property across the country is going to fall. Um, there might be some areas that do, some areas that don't. I mean, because it is state, state to state, it's different. And then even within a state, from suburb to suburb, it's different. So obviously, whenever they talk about property prices, it's always a very generic term, isn't it? Sure. Any other key things to talk about? I mean, not really from, from as far as key points go, the economy, the share market, the property market. Are there any other key things that people should be looking out for? Uh, no, look, I mean, yeah, I think they're the main things. Just a bit of a check-in just, just on where we're at. And, uh, and another, another thing that, you know, we're, we're getting asked in our role as advisors, like, should I, should I invest my money now? Is now a good time to invest? And, we probably just answer that we always answer the same in the same way yes because we don't we don't time markets yeah. um so yeah. whether you invested late last year at the high at a high point whether you invested in on march 23rd or at the low point or whether you invest now 
Um, we probably think if you invest in the right way, if you have a good quality diversified strategy, take a long-term view, yeah, you should be investing your money. And I'm sure you'd agree with that, Glenn. Absolutely. I was actually, we, we might um, we might come back and chat about this, but I was, I was actually given this a book from a client of mine. It's called Motivated Money. It's written by Peter Thornhill. And it's actually a really good book just in general for financial literacy. But talking about markets, he actually, one of the great analogies within that is comparing um, the prediction of what the market might do in the short term with, with weather. And the analogy that he uses is if you were trying to pick a place to live, would you make that choice based on a week's of worth of weather? So for example, if you wanted to live in Melbourne, would you just rock up and look at what the weather's going to be like in a week and then make a long-term decision to move there based on that week? You just wouldn't. You'd make it based on you know, climate as opposed to weather, like what the climate in Noosa is. I mean, you could rock up to Noosa for one week during the wet season and think, oh, this is a terrible place to live. But longer term, it's got a great climate. So I reckon that's just a great analogy when you're looking at the market. Like you just don't make investment decisions based on what's happening over a week. Like, yeah, it can be a pretty stormy sort of period in, in the short term, but longer term, like if you look at it, it, it always goes up. So I, I tend to agree. If is now the right time to invest? Well, now's always the right time to invest so long as your investment time frame is, is long enough. That's what I'd be saying. Yeah, if, you, if you're going into a diversified strategy where you can you can rebalance the portfolio, because there might be not, there more there might be more twists and turns on the way here. We're not we're not saying that it's not going to keep going up in a straight line from here because we don't know. But if you have a diversified portfolio and it does go back down again, you, you can rebalance. You can buy more equities if they fall. Um, if you if you're going 100% into a share portfolio, well then maybe you might want to drip feed the money in over several months or, or do what's called dollar cost averaging and and buy along the way to, to remove some of that risk. So there's obviously different ways you can do it, but um, if you are looking to invest your money, you know, without doubt, it's very important that you do, you know, seek independent um, professional advice. And that's the key point, the key, the key point that you make there, invest. If someone says it's now a good time to invest, yes, it's always a good time to invest. Invest means buy and hold for a long period of time. If they say it's now a good time to speculate, well now it's never a good time to speculate. <laughs> You speculate just means you're taking a gamble, isn't it? Yep. Well, look, we might wrap it up there, Nathan. So just to, to recap the key points as far as what the money mentors think, the economy, look, just keep looking out for unemployment figures. There's a lot of uncertainty as always. It's impossible to predict what's going to happen in the short term, but we've sort of said that it'll be very interesting to see what happens after September when a lot of the stimulus um, is wound up. As far as the share market goes, I think there's consensus that we think we've sort of hit the bottom. Um, that's not to say there won't be continued volatility, but rightly or wrongly, we, we could be right, we could be wrong, but we think we've sort of hit the bottom. And property prices, I think we agreed that there might be a little bit of a correction there. Um, so on that note, we thank you for joining us uh, this week and we look forward to chatting to you all again next week. Thanks everybody for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the, the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good po podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just, just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's 
um, social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, Thanks again. We'll see you next week.